There's got to be an explanation to all these UFO sightings, right? Hey, it's Stephen Diener, host of the Unidentified Alien Podcast. And whether you're new to the conversation or have been looking into it for years, you need to check out the fastest growing alien show out there, the Unidentified Alien Podcast, or UAP for short. There's a crazy amount of alien encounter stories out there from all over the world. And the beauty of it is that I bring them all to you and let you decide what you believe. Download and subscribe to UAP on any of the major podcasting platforms. And you can also find it on UAPpodcast.com. Yes, yes. Welcome into another edition of Questions from the Audience on the Inside STL Podcast Network from the HomeLoanExpert.com studios. If it sounds different to you, it's because I am doing this hashtag from my basement. It is every social media and podcast stereotype converging in this uh, in this special special edition of questions from the audience, uh, candidly, the uh, and it's really not even it's an inappropriate use of, of the uh, the adverb candidly, but um, we're recording an interview with Bobby Plager following TMA uh, when we normally would record questions from the audience, and then uh, I believe the great young Page Views is coming in for an interview, and so the studio. At uh, at KFNS in Kirkwood will be occupied for interview purposes, and therefore I needed to record questions from the audience somewhere else. So I don't know how it's going to sound. I would imagine it's going to sound differently, just because I'm looking around my basement. It's uh, it, it doesn't have the same acoustics as what you would hear in a podcast. But the content and me wandering aimlessly will uh, will be the same. I would imagine at some point you're going to hear my son uh, come downstairs and we're just going to include that even if he has some kind of screaming fit. It'll be free entertainment for you. Um, No Gangster Pete here because it's me talking to myself in my basement, which I've been doing for for a number of years. This is the first time, however, I'm just really recording it uh, for your pleasure. I'll say this. I'm looking forward to doing this one. Um, I keep saying that, but it, but it's the truth. We just keep getting really good questions, better and better questions. And uh, you're welcome to send them at any time. Anything is welcome. Like, hey, fuckface, what the hell is the deal with your stupid fucking podcast? I hate you, you short, bald, lopsided motherfucker. What is your problem? That would be fine. I might even attempt to answer that question. It's it's all welcome. Um, so that's what I'm trying to drive home. Ask anything. Ask anything. Uh, the, the worst case scenario is, is that we just don't uh, read it. But fire away. I want that to be the case. And we, we just keep getting really good questions. And so questions from the audience, uh, fortunately, continues to be a popular portion of the Tim McKernan Show. It's all made possible by thehomeloanexpert.com. There was Jameson's first scream, but it came from upstairs. Uh, thehomeloanexpert.com uh, studios. Uh, Mark Hanna, Evergreen Wealth Strategies. James Carlton of the Carlton State Farm Insurance Agency. And also uh, Design Air Heating and Cooling online at designairservice.com, the number one train dealer in the Midwest. It's hard to stop a train. And... Also, Johnny Landoff, Chevrolet Highway 270 in the Washington Elizabeth Exit, online at Landoff.com. So, have questions stored up in email, and then I put the uh, TMA fan page thread up this morning. So, we've got a bunch of questions. Um, I know that the email ones are really good, and I'm going to go through uh, the ones on the fan page and attempt to answer every one. I included a picture of friend of the show, Gabby Carter, uh, which 
is uh, just really kind of a, an ABC poker maneuver to uh, get people's attention and then increase the probability of getting questions. And uh, I'll just read them through. I have a question. If I were to Google this nice young lady, what might I call her? The answer is Gabby Carter. Most people have already tended to that question for uh, Seth, who asked that, that fine question. Uh, then the next question is, isn't that Gabby Carter? I can now confirm that that is indeed Gabby Carter. Third question, it comes from the wonderful D'Angelo Hopkins. I like this one. Uh, have you ever had visions of Inside STL having a bar stool like business model and setup, different podcasts and shows under the same umbrella with different personalities, blogs, gambling talk, online video content, merch sales, events, etc.? Uh, obviously, Barstool is on a souped-up level, but with TMA's audience trending younger, is this something you envision? If so, are you hiring? I hate my job. Uh, so that's it's a good question um, in so many different ways. Uh, if so, are you hiring? I'll, as Tony LaRusso used to say, I'll start with the last one first. Uh, yes, we are absolutely hiring if, 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 if we decide to pursue um, purchasing KFNS. For those of you not aware of it, that's something that is in play. Randy Markell, the owner of KFNS, and I uh, publicly discussed that in the St. Louis Post-Dispatch, uh, I guess at this point, maybe 11 days ago. Um, but the thing that in the, in the print version that was not included, uh, that is important to include anytime I talk about this, it was included in the online version. I've obviously talked about it on the radio and, uh, and on social media, what is going to determine whether or not we pursue this is whether or not me and the people working with me on this believe we have found somebody who can operate this business as the general manager um, and optimize it. That is, that's, that's, that's it. I mean, I, I, obviously it goes into a variety of other layers but that's essentially it. And then it goes to being able to add on to our sales staff. Melissa Marr uh, has been working with me since 2009. She has been selling at KFNS since uh, we came over in 2016. So she's been working with me for a decade, just at the variety of different stations we've been at. And we want to add to the sales staff um, to add to the great work that Melissa does. So uh, that, that would be as Doug loves it when I do outlines, that would be Roman numeral number one. Then Randy Markell, the owner of the station, and I would have to come to an agreement. That's Roman numeral number two. If those things were to happen, um, I would I would say that it's it. I, as you said, D'Angelo Hopkins, uh, it's a souped-up model. Um, so I agree with that. So I want to make it clear. I'm not saying inside STL and Barstool are one and the same. Obviously, they're in a in a, in a different world. Uh, but what, what, I'm, what I'm saying is um, inside STL's revenue has, you asked questions regarding different podcasts and shows under the same umbrella with different personalities, blogs, gambling talk, online video content, merch sales, events, etc. What I would say, you listed all of those, and every one of those things um, is something, are something, I'm going to go with is something. Every one of those things is something that we have generated revenue from within the last, God, I don't know, handful of years. Every single one of them. Obviously, podcasts, you're listening to it. Uh, Inside STL has owned TMA since 2010. Um, we obviously have a variety of different personalities. 
The blogging thing is the one thing that I would say we've gotten away from. Barstool must have a reason for it. Um, it, it isn't something that we've delved into because inside STL, I was discussing this with someone earlier because I'm, I'm, I'm constantly either meeting with people, interviewing, interviewing them, or having phone interviews. Constantly is overstating it, but I've had a lot of conversations with people over the last couple of weeks regarding this opportunity. Um, and if you're interested or you know somebody who'd be interested, make sure you have a media sales background, T. McKernan at InsideSTL.com. Um, but uh, the blogging Inside STLs is kind of at this moment a house for our audio uh, and a brand name. But for the first approximately decade of the uh, business's existence, it started in 2005, uh, I wrote a column, God, four or five days a week. And I enjoyed it because I really like to write. And I, and again, I, there's so much of questions from the audience is me going, yeah, I, I fucked that up. And I guess it may have helped, but honestly, I look back on all that time I spent writing and thinking, what the hell was I doing? Because we really weren't monetizing it. And that's what everything has to be about at this point. Now, if you're just starting out and you want to get your name out there, uh, you know, and you're in your teens or 20s, um, or it's just a side project and a hobby and it's not something you're looking for to support yourself or your family, then, then by all means, do whatever it is that you want to do with it. But for a business, if it's not being monetized, it does not make sense. And therefore, what I did does not make sense. And I have no one to blame but myself. But I would imagine if Barstool is doing it, there must be a reason for the blogs. Gambling talk, that's a staple of this podcast during the football season, the weatherman. Uh, made magic. Online video content, that's something that uh, Dan McLaughlin and I did this past offseason and during spring training. Merch sales, that's a credit to Gangster Pete because that's been going on now here for, oh, I guess about the last 10 months. Events, that's obviously something going back to the Girl Next Door parties and then, you know, some of our Q&A sessions with Joe Buck, Dan McLaughlin, John Mazalak, uh, me and Doug did one. All of that is something we already have been doing. And I agree with the model. I mean, even if you hate their content, I'm talking about Barstool now, I I, I would imagine, I, and I know some people say no, because the model is based on this, that, and that. And that, and I get it. But my analogy that I try to use to try to, to show that I'm coming from a place of focusing on business and not necessarily whether I like the content or not, or it's my thing or not, and I do happen to enjoy plenty of Barstool's content, uh, is that I respect Fox News's business model. And by that I mean it's not my brand of content. I'm not trying to alienate people with the politics thing. I'm just trying to be just as authentic as possible here with how I think. Um, and I would say this, it's always people, it's a false equivalency to do the MSNBC thing. I don't really watch MSNBC. I don't know if MSNBC has had as big of an impact. Well, I don't believe MSNBC has had as big of an impact on American politics and uh, discourse as Fox News has had over the last 25 years. But I respect that they recognized that there was a demand for the content they were going to provide, and they provided it, and they have turned themselves into the force that they have turned themselves into. Same thing with Barstool. Um, and if you don't like that, that's cool. But that's 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 my parallel on it. So uh, with that all said, um, 
what Barstool does, how can you not? It, it's similar to my uh, admiration of Howard Stern. You recognize something that's successful, and then you try to make it um, something that can apply to what you already do without ripping it off. But we've been doing what Barstool has done now at a grandiose and incredibly, you know, infinitely way more successful version here for the last few years. They've been going, I think, since around Inside STL started. Uh, but we've been doing the same stuff. We've just been limited. And, and the thing that I always say is, had I not been making the money that I was making, and it's not like I was you know, a millionaire or anything like that, but I had a, a, a full-time job hosting at first the morning grind and then the morning after, um, I, I, Inside STL would have been uh, my, my only source of income, and therefore I would have just been hustling like nobody's business. Um, instead, Inside STL, as opposed to Barstool, whereas that was Dave Portnoy's, you know, that was his thing. To his credit, he built it. Uh, Inside STL was kind of like a, um, a supplemental piece to the morning after, and then it kind of became its own thing. Um, so with that said, we recognize all of those things work. We recognize that, uh, because we've done it, we recognize that for what we do, um, personality-driven radio, podcasts, events, merchandise, that's what we do. Um, and so it's. I, this was part of the conversation I had with one person earlier today. And it's like when somebody says, um, oh, you and Bernie Miklas are, are, are competing. And I'd say, you know, I mean, I, I guess if you want to, if you want to say that, you can say it. But I don't really think Bernie views us as competition. And I really know that me and Doug and the cat never talk about it. We just don't talk about it because we don't think about it. We do our own thing. Bernie does his thing. And I can't imagine somebody who loves Bernie's show would love TMA and vice versa. They're just two totally different things. But they're under the supposed umbrella of sports talk radio. But the sports talk radio uh, that 101 ESPN in St. Louis does is is more... Um, you know, majorly focused on sports, whereas ours is all over the map on on our show. It's more personality driven, um, and some people like that, and some people hate it. But it's just a it's a it's a different format. That's what works for us. Um, so to answer the question, uh, yes, we are hiring. Our focus at this point is a general manager, and then should we do that? Then our focus would be hiring salespeople. And then should we feel like we have the roster necessary to do this the way that we want to do it, uh, then we would um, go back into a, a conversation with Randy Markell. And Randy and I have already had conversations. And, uh, and we, would, we would, you know, attempt to get a deal done. So that's, you know, I couldn't be, the, this is everything. I couldn't be more... Uh, I don't know, transparent isn't really even the word. It's just, this is what's going on. There isn't really even, I mean, it, it happens to be transparent, but there's really nothing else to it. This is it. This is, this is it. And it's exciting to have people want to be a part of it. It's, it's, it's exciting. It's, it's a combination of exciting and flattering um, to have people at, at the, at the places where they work. And some of course are already in St. Louis. You, you can, you know, imagine where they are. Um, and it's, that's flattering. Some are outside of the market and want to come back to St. Louis. And some are just aware of it and have never even, you know, really been part of this. 
but see what we're doing and what we are visualizing and want to invest in it. And that's, you know, that's, I don't know, exciting and flattering don't seem like they, they do enough. It's, it's certainly exciting and flattering, but um, I, guess, I guess the best way to describe it is it's a validation of that which would be um, a bet, a calculated bet, but a bet. It's a, it's a it's a it's a business model, and it's it's flattering, exciting, and validating that people see it, and uh, and see that we're doing something that they think has worked, and um, if optimized with a full time general manager with a media sales background and a sales staff, and then also a digital staff, and then we keep building from there, uh, that this thing could be um, something that 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 could really. Um, I guess I'll just downplay it, could wind up working. Of course, at the same time, it might not work. That's part of the deal. There are no guarantees. But it is, it, it's reinvigorated me. Uh, and, and from that standpoint, it, it uh, fires me up to, uh, to, um, to be real blunt about it. Ryan Kelly's the home loan expert, and he is the sponsor of our studios here on the Tim McKernan Show. Without him, we don't have a podcast. So make sure you're supporting our sponsor, Ryan Kelly, thehomeloanexpert.com. And with interest rates dropping and this being home buying season, this is a prime time to get in and get yourself a great rate and lock in. Or if you want to refinance, now's the time to do so. Ryan Kelly's the person to do it with. He is online at thehomeloanexpert.com. Ryan Kelly, the studio sponsor of this program. Ryan Kelly, thehomeloanexpert.com. All right, next question. Seems like many neighborhoods in the St. Louis metro area are starting to gain momentum in regard to construction, housing, etc., specifically Midtown, Clayton, Grove, and some others. Obviously, this is positive in the grand scheme, but as a region, are we better off if downtown is the neighborhood that absorbs the bulk of the growth? What, if anything, can spark that change? What a great question. I, I just kind of glanced through these questions before um, before starting up the podcast here, and I saw this one, and I thought it was kind of going to be about, like, it, it, went a diff- it went a different direction and a better direction than I thought it was going to be when I was just kind of scrolling through initially. Um, that's a great question because sometimes I wonder on the downtown thing and to be clear, uh, when I came back to St. Louis after being at the University of Missouri and my first television job before KMOV, which was in Little Rock, Arkansas, and I, I came back in March of 2000, so much of what I wanted to see for St. Louis is the same thing, you know, at 23 that I feel here at 42, which is a reinvigorated city and in, in downtown. Um, and that's why I was so excited about the new ballpark because I thought it would do for downtown St. Louis what it had done, for example, in places like uh, Denver and elsewhere. But that was the one that I would always use as an example. And then when I interviewed Jack Buck uh, in 2001, he talked about the exact same thing. And I'm like, he's speaking of validating, which was the theme of the the, the previous question. Um, you know, to have Jack Buck be on the same train of thought, what a great thing. So uh, that has not happened. That's not to say that it won't happen, but I think we would all agree if we're really being honest about it, sometimes I feel like uh, we St. Louisans grade ourselves on a curve that the residential impact of Bush Stadium 3 has been, relatively speaking, minimal. Now, I realize they're building the new tower, the new phase, and maybe that will change. But if anything, 
Um, when I lived down in, in downtown on Washington Avenue, lived in the Grace Lofts, loved it, then lived in Park Pacific. So we were there from 2009 through 2012 and loved it. I mean, loved it. Uh, that, that downtown in that area has experienced a decline in comparison to what it was a decade ago. Um, so then the, the, the question that you ask, Brad, or Brett, excuse me, is uh, do you think it's, uh, well, I want to make sure I don't mess up what you asked, uh, are, but as a region, are we better off if downtown is the neighborhood that absorbs the bulk of the growth? What, if anything, can spark that change? So it's two questions, two separate questions, and obviously both, you know, opinions. Um, are we better off if downtown is the neighborhood absorbs the bulk of the growth? I've, I've, the reason why I say this is a great question is because it's a question that just internally, I don't even know if I've ever talked about it, but I've wondered that as well. I feel like we try to force the downtown thing. And I just don't know. I don't, and I want to emphasize this. I don't know if that's necessary. I don't, I don't know. I don't know. I, you know, like, if you think of cities to the West, cities that, you know, haven't been around as long as take your pick of whatever cities on the East Coast. Uh, if, you, if you think of cities to the West and their downtowns, um, Denver, um, like their downtown, like their skyline and their, you know, like their, their areas of Denver that are certainly residential and young, but are they, would they be considered downtown? Like we're talking downtown St. Louis. Uh, Phoenix always struck me as being this just like, the first time I was there, I think it was like the Cardinals and Diamondbacks playoffs in 2001. I think that was the first time I was in Phoenix. Phoenix, Phoenix itself, actually, I don't even think is the, the attraction at this point anymore. It's kind of the capital of that m monstrous area that I think if I know my east and west is as far east, southeast as Scottsdale and as far west as Glendale and then, you know, what, Tempe and Phoenix and I'm probably leaving things out of me. It's just monstrous, but the Phoenix downtown is just like, you know, kind of a nothing for as big as the area is. Um, and are those things necessary? Are, are And by that, I mean great downtowns. And I don't, I don't think the answer is yes. But then again... To compare St. Louis and Phoenix or St. Louis and Denver, now we're, I think we might be doing a disservice to the, the importance of a downtown. So I think it's a great question. In other words, if St. Louis continues to thrive in the, the areas you list, how important is it if, to, to the growth if St. Louis's downtown is not also experiencing that? And I don't know. I really don't know because for, for most people in the area at this point, and when I talk about area, I'm talking the bi-state region. Uh, so St. Charles, St. Louis, Madison County, Jefferson County, I'm talking about a, a region that, that surrounds, um, you know, downtown St. Louis. They're, they're going downtown for shows, for Cardinal games, for Blues games, soon potentially. Well, I mean, it's going to happen. Uh, the MLS... That, that's that's what they're going to it for. I don't know if the makeup of St. Louis at this moment, and certainly 20 years ago when Jack Buck was talking about it, I don't know if St. Louis at this moment has the population to fill and make a thriving downtown St. Louis. When I lived there, 
it was essentially a, I don't know, three or four block oasis. I want it to be that way, but I can want whatever. I would, I would love to have a, a full head of hair and be 6'3", and ideally my, my head be symmetrical, but th- those things just candidly aren't in play. I think it's more likely for St. Louis to have that, but I don't know if that's who at this moment we are. But I don't know that that necessarily means that's not who we will be. Uh, and I think both things can exist. I think you can have a family and be a great family community, as you often hear St. Louis is, but also have a young, thriving population that wants to live downtown. Um, but at this moment, that's not what we are in comparison to other cities. And I don't. And what I wonder is how important it is. I mean, I, I realize I'm just restating your question over and over again, but I love the question because I don't know. Um, I don't know. I really, I really don't know. Like, does in the whole scheme of things, does it matter? Are we just trying to force this downtown thing. It might just not happen, but that doesn't mean that the region is failing if downtown is failing. That's what I'm trying to say. Finally got there. Uh, and what, if anything, can spark that change? Um, I, I, think it, I think it's going to always come down to young people wanting to live there. I, it, it's just, it, you, you'll certainly have empty nesters. And when I lived down there, there were definitely empty nesters. Um, but it was a sliver of the downtown population. So I think it's going to be young people. Um, but it, it's also not fair to just say young. I'm talking about people who might not want to have kids, single people, married couples without kids, um, people who just don't want to, who want to be at the center of the action. They like to, I loved walking. I loved the fact that I could take that elevator um, from Grace Lofts uh, down, down to Washington Avenue and be on Washington Avenue and walk to a restaurant or bar within seconds. Seconds. Oh, you guys are down at Flannery's. Oh, you guys are over at Sidebar. Sweet. I'll be down in a, you know, in a minute. I'll go pick up my food and go down. And I loved that. You know, it's kind of a running joke with uh, the KFNS studios and, you know, everything being so close. But I just, for whatever, I have no, like, one of the reasons why I always have kind of, like, I love New York City, love Las Vegas, you don't drive. Now, I realize if you're a resident of Las Vegas, you drive. Chicago, you don't drive. You take the train. I just don't really like to drive. Um, I, and I don't, have an, I don't have an explanation for it. I have no idea. But I just know that I don't. So, whatever. Uh, some people do. Some people, I, I like that's why for LA, not that I'm looking at LA options, but it's, I'd, I'd go fucking crazy sitting in traffic all the time to go, you know, three miles. Um, so I think that's what's going to come down to it. I think these startup businesses and what's going on with St. Louis economically um, with uh, what is a really positive trend for entrepreneurs is, is, is the first domino. Because then that leads to young people being in the, uh, in the community and people who aren't necessarily from here. So from that standpoint, that to me is the, is the first step. And I think that is happening. Uh, all right, next question. Um, let's see. What is the worst thing you got caught doing as a kid and how long were you grounded? Great question again. Um, let's see. God. I don't know. I'm sure I was grounded. Uh, I, well, actually, on this one, I don't think I was. But um, kind of hoodlums, uh, me and my uh, compadre, and I guess I won't give his name here, even though at this point he's 42, 43 years old, and I think the statute of limitations is up. 
But for whatever reason, like around the age of 16, it had to be around the age of 16 because he was driving, but I was young for my class, so I was 15. So when you're talking about 1991-92, I mean, I know better. Uh, I mean, in a major way. You know better at eight, much less twice that age. Um, we went on like this stealing spree, and for no reason either. Just like, so I remember we went up to Target at Hampton and Chippewa, and and again, I mean, stealing spree, I don't want to overstate this, like this was, you know, like the town or something, but uh, I don't know, just like, like, I don't even, I really just, yeah, just gross to look back on it, but that's what it was. Uh, and we would, um, like, just like for the hell of it, just like put like cassettes, yes, cassettes in our pocket and then just like leave. Or he would steal clothes from, uh, you know, like a department store. Just really just, what the hell were we, and we didn't, you know, need it. Just we're doing it. And I remember we were walking out of that Target, you know, with like, I think I had like a Johnny Gill and Shanice silent prayer cassette. So, I mean, something really hardcore. I mean, what in the world? What in the world? This is why anytime anybody says Tim, the cat in this thing with Tim being one of the cools, I am the antithesis of one of the cools. The antithesis of one of the cools. Uh, I mean, I'm picking off a Johnny Gill and Shanice silent prayer cassette. And not only am I picking it off, I we got picked off. We walk out. And some guy's following us, and he goes, guys, give me the cassettes back. And we're like, what are you talking about? We don't have anything. He's like, I was watching the whole time. I know where they are. Just give them back, and we'll go on about our day. And this is like at 8 at night. You know, it's dark out. And it's just like the most, and we give them back, and obviously we never do it again. But it's just like, what are you doing? So I guess at that point, I'm, I'm, I guess I'm not too old to be grounded, but you're kind of bordering on it. I mean, I'm a couple years away because I was—I started college at 17. I'm a couple years away from being in college. And I'm stealing that crap, so I don't know. I should be grounded. I should ground myself for that now. 28 years later, I should ground myself. But that's the answer to the question. Uh, Papa, when did you get your first cell phone, and what type of phone was it? Great question, Brian. Um, I believe it was like a Nokia and it wasn't a flip phone. It wasn't even that far along that it was a flip phone. And I got it in either 2000 or 2001. And in what struck me as an obvious move, I immediately got rid of my landline. And uh, I'm proud to say I was ahead of the curve on that one, albeit really not that fascinating of a curve. But I was always curious, like, why do people still have landlines? Like when I'm filling out forms sometime, you know, like home number, work number. It's like my phone number is my one phone and that's it. Uh, but 2000, 2001 is the answer to that. And even then I was a little behind on how many people got, uh, cell phones, but, uh, I was ahead of the curve on getting rid of the landline. Uh, when your dad buys the station for you, uh, is there any chance you find a way to get back on an FM HD signal? The answer to that is yes. Um, but again, uh, this whole thing on buying the station requires all of these different things to happen. Um, and we're still working on that. So that's something that would be down the road. Uh, let's see. Is there a way to make advertisements on podcasts unfast forwardable so we can all enjoy more content and podcasts can be profitable? Win-win. Yeah, the, 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 the podcast industry is in a weird spot. I was talking with somebody today, doesn't live in St. Louis, but lives in, in you know one of the bigger cities in the country, and 
he told me, and I loved this, uh, he goes, everybody, you know, no one drives. And, um, and he said, so he goes, everybody is just sitting on trains with, you know, headphones on and, you know, which, whatever version of, you know, the headphones they are, but listening to their own thing on their phone. And that's how they commute. And then the first question is, uh, when he gets into the office and that everybody's talking, what podcast did you listen to on your way to work? That's that's what it is. Now, St. Louis, of course, is a driving community, you know, for the vast majority of the population on the way to and from work. But that's that's where it has moved. Um, podcasting, that's the deal. The issue, just like what I talk about when I talk about, you know, the purchase of KFNS, should it happen, would not be just a radio purchase. It, 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 I realize it would be a radio and land purchase, but it would be um, it would be a radio podcasting digital, and by that I mean video podcasting, uh, live video, uh, merchandise and events business. It just the radio would be the centerpiece of it. But if if we went into this going, okay, we're just going to sell thirty and sixty second commercials and hope for the best, we would be we would be guaranteed to lose. It's not guaranteed to win as it is. But uh, that that that's where it's moving. That's it's already it's already moved there. It's just it's just attempting to be ahead of the curve locally. Um, so the answer the the question though is not about that. It's about making podcasts profitable. I really, you know, a lot of people will say they fast forward through commercials on podcasts, and I get it. But a lot of times, I'm just working out or driving along the few times I am driving somewhere where it's, you know, more than five minutes and I don't mess with it, you know, but, but the issue is a lot of people, the perception is that people uh, skip through them. I guess the way that national buys are being made for podcasts. So a lot of them that you already hear, you can name them blue, blue apron, legal zoom, sleep number, take your pick. If you listen to podcasts and obviously do since you're listening to this, uh, but if you listen to national podcasts, those are the ones that you'll hear over and over again. Uh, they are, I believe, more often than not, um, well, no, they're not. I don't want to say that. That would be misleading. They're, they, they buy the monster podcasts. So like TMA gets 300, I know Pete was telling me, TMA got uh, the most downloads it's ever gotten in May of this year. Um, and it was like 300 some odd, 350,000 downloads or something like that. And for as large of a number as that is, and locally it's, it's, it's certainly a large number, for a national buy, um, it doesn't really even, it's not, it's, it's, it's not even really a blip on the radar. I mean, it is, but it's, it's not enough to make them go, oh my God, we got to be on that. So the way that I thought they were buying was pay per inquiry, which means if somebody sell it. Well, I mean, you hear it though, like, you know, make sure you type in this code and then it lets people, lets those ad agencies know where they came from. Um, so I don't think they're paying per inquiry. They're, they're paying on a CPM model cost per thousand. Um, but they have, you know, hundreds or millions of, of thousands, hundreds of thousands or millions of, of downloads. And so that's how they're reaching. I don't know if that's sustainable. It's kind of like banner ads on websites. Like nobody really knew what to do, but they knew everybody was online. And it was like, okay, well, the best thing to do is, is throw up banner ads, but people just blocked them out. 
you know, they either literally blocked them out or they just didn't pay attention to them. And so then it became kind of the invasive pop-ups or the pre-rolls that would, you know, you'd have to watch before they would start. So I don't, I don't have, I don't have a great answer to it. I it's, it's, it's truly is the whatever thousand, the sixty-four thousand dollar question, the ten million dollar question, whatever number you want to use, um, as to how to try to capitalize on the fact that this is the way that people, especially younger people, are consuming media um, when you're talking about just straight audio. So I don't have an answer, but your question is right on target. Uh, let's see. Uh, what do you think the chances are that the Blues find themselves in a situation where they can't sign Bennington because of a huge offer somewhere else? I don't consider that to be real likely. I do wonder about it, but I don't consider it to be real likely. Mark Hanna of Evergreen Wealth Strategies. Can't emphasize enough how important it is to have a, a financial advisor, but then it's not just any financial advisor. It's somebody who who knows but cares. Again, plenty of people can know but cares. And Mark Hanna helps everyday people every day get their finances organized. You can call him at 314-889-0503. That's 314-889-0503. Or go online to evergreenstl.com. His name is Mark Hanna. He is with Evergreen Wealth Strategies. And I can tell you from getting to know Mark here over the last year, this is a first-class person who has your best interests at heart, and just calling him at 314-889-0503 is going to make you feel better and you're on the right track. Mark Hanna, Evergreen Wealth Strategies, 314-889-0503, or go online at evergreenstl.com. Uh, all right, that, 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 that tends to the fan page questions. Now let me go into the questions. Now this one, Timmy Recaps, has been having a big questions from the audience run. Uh, and he asked a good long one here, and I think he's got another one that I saved as well uh, in the email. Uh, this will be a bit all over the place, but I think it would make for an interesting topic on TMA or potentially QFTA. This isn't bar stool specific, but I will use it as an example to illustrate my point. I think it was clear that the HBO Real Sports piece on bar stool was meant to paint the company in a negative light. Clearly, that is their prerogative to do so, but why? I guess the easy answer is to get traffic. Like Deadspin or BuzzFeed, writing about Barstool gets clicks, but those brand-loyal consumers of Barstool aren't changing their mind because a smug journalist dislikes them and pushes a narrative. And those who already don't like Barstool aren't going to all of a sudden consume their content after this piece. I think it has to do, I think it has some to do with Portnoy and his provocative tone, but I think there's more to it. I saw a tweet where a radio guy from Boston said, paraphrasing, quote, in a day where the top sports journalist icon of the modern era, Bob Lee, retired, Stephen A. Smith's hot take about XYZ got more traffic clicks on the internet, end quote. That really hit me. It seems true across the board that sports entertainment is now valued more than straight-laced sports journalism. I would go as far to say that this is also an element of the X factor that people talk about when discussing what makes TMA an outlier against all the other sports radio shows on the St. Louis AM dial. You guys have willingly embraced that you're an entertainment slash nitwittery show before a sports show. And in my opinion, that is what makes your show appointment slash podcast must. Uh, I can't think of another example of a St. Louis radio program where people are going out of their way to consume three hours of content five days a week. Perhaps this is why Inside the NBA has reached such success as well. Uh, that's in reference to the... Charles Barkley, Shaquille O'Neal, K. 
Kenny the Jet and Ernie Johnson show. Of course, there is the organic chemistry, which can't be contrived and mechanical, but they've also accepted that they goof around and try to pull off bits and get into heated debates about who has more money or whatever other uh, tangential conversation they mosey on down. The opportunity cost of taking time away from regimented journalism is extremely low because nitwittery entertainment plays nowadays. Seems like there is a war being waged unsuccessfully, might I add, between the prim and proper journalists of the old school versus the new school of sports entertainment journalism. Writing blogs about sports with humor, provocative opinions, and funny anecdotal tweets sell better than 30 minutes of scripted sports rundowns. I can take this all the way back to when Kenny Mayne was doing goofball segments from Duke's Krzyzewskiville during exam week. I was transfixed watching a sports guy act a fool. I'm not sure this is a new idea or theory, but I haven't heard it before, and I had to get it on paper before it escaped me. This seems right up your alley. What are your thoughts? Thanks, and sorry for the long-windedness. That comes from Recaps. Uh, Great stuff. Timmy Recaps needs to do like a questions podcast um, because he writes in great questions every week, and I think, like I said, I think he has another one in there, but I'm already at 39 minutes, and it might have to be saved for next week. So I watched the HBO Real Sports piece, um, and then I happened to be, and I, and I don't even know why, I think Riggs from Barstool tweeted that this is must-listen-to radio right now uh, as we're talking about something, and it had something to do with like some Barstool awards show, and Dave Portnoy was all pissed off that nobody got dressed up for it. And he said, and we're about to talk about the HBO Real Sports thing. Riggs is from St. Louis. He hosts a show on, on Barstool Radio and Sirius XM, and I happened to see the tweet and so because I wanted to hear their opinion on the, the real sports uh, story, uh, I, I put it on my phone and I listened live and heard him talk about it. And what stood out to me was uh, Portnoy liked the story and thought it was actually fair in comparison to what they've experienced with what they call hatchet stories, hatchet pieces, hatchet jobs in the past. Um, you know, he... The, the thing that uh, became a big thing amongst Barstool fans was that they interviewed, I think it was Rhea, from Chicks in the Office, one of the Barstool podcasts, and then they didn't use it, but yet they tried to paint the misogynistic viewpoint that Barstool, or the, 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 the viewpoint that Barstool is misogynistic, and they hear they have an employee who they interview for an hour and they don't use any of it. But, you know, as any of us who have done this stuff can tell you, uh, oftentimes you'll interview people and it just doesn't wind up being used. It doesn't fit in what for whatever reason. Now, I would say if you are going to use that angle that Barstool is misogynistic, I would say that it's only right that you present a female employee. And even if you don't spend anything more than a 30-second soundbite on it uh, over the course of what I think was about a 15-minute story, I think that's the right thing to do. And I understand that complaint and actually agree with it. Uh, regarding your question, uh, recaps, um, I'm trying to, I mean, I, I'm not, I, I, I don't, and I think, I'm not, I don't think I'm missing anything here when I say there really isn't a, a question so much as just kind of a, what are your thoughts on the state of, of sports journalism, sports casting, sports talk radio podcasts? Um, it, it, it was always going to go back to what makes the most money, um, and that is not necessarily make people happy, but it is the answer. Uh, I recall, I think it was a six, I'm actually, at this point now, I'm 99% sure. It was a 60-minute story, and I think they were doing a feature on Larry King. And I think it was Mike Wallace who did the feature. And uh, 
and Mike Wallace, I think, I think Larry King, I don't know, obviously, you know, he's an older man, and, and perhaps back in the day he was a serious journalist, I don't know. But I felt like Mike Wallace was kind of taking him to task. This is probably a 15 to 20-year-old story at this point, but I remember seeing it because it stood out to me. Uh, and obviously, you know, Mike Wallace has passed, and I think he was making reference to Michael Jackson's stories, and Michael Jackson's been dead for more than a decade, so you get an idea here of how long it's been, but he was kind of taking him to task over what he does on his CNN talk show where he would take calls, and it was tabloidy. And Larry King said, well, you're doing your stories on 60 Minutes, and they can be serious stories, but I guarantee you more people will watch my tabloidy, as you call them, stories. Um, And I think that kind of, you know, Mike Wallace included that in the story, and it was kind of driving home the point that that is where, for the most part, the business has gone. That was news. Now, here we are. Um, I don't know. Let's just say that was a 15-year-old or 20-year-old story. And I'm watching the polls in the uh, Democratic presidential race for uh, who will be the nominee in 2020. And you have a couple of signature sound bites from 20 candidates and four-plus hours of debates. And he or she who made the witty uh, sound bites um, are trending up, and he or she, I guess in both cases this would be he, uh, who didn't have the witty sound bites or retort trending down. And in both cases, the up trending up aggressively with Kamala Harris and Elizabeth Warren, and down uh, aggressively with Joe Biden and uh, Beto O'Rourke. Those were the two that trended aggressively down. And I'm thinking to myself, in particular with Biden, but I mean, also you can say the same thing, you know, Kamala Harris has, has been around, not necessarily in the national perspective, that they have all of this time and all of, the, all of this on their resume. And yet, and I'm talking about like 8% shifts here, Okay. Uh, not like, oh, a, a tiny thing one way or the other. I'm talking about huge shifts are determined by sound bites. All of these years in the public eye and public policy and what they have done, whether it be in the case of um, Kamala Harris uh, and, and what she has done in her career. I mean, it's not like, you know, like I said, it's, it's, she's a, she's a um, you know, uh, relatively new name on the national landscape. But she has been in politics for a, a, a good long while. Um, you know, she's a 54-year-old woman who um, was, uh, what she was, if I'm not mistaken, the attorney general. Yeah, she was attorney general before becoming um, the senator, uh, the junior senator in California. Uh, and Joe Biden is, you know, before being vice president, longtime senator from Delaware. And yet what, <laughs> it's like that doesn't matter uh, Kamala Harris got off, uh, you know, what, what clearly was, was planned since her team had tweets ready for it and shirts ready for it, uh, you know, with that girl was me going after Joe Biden. Joe Biden looked clumsy at times uh, attempting to debate Kamala Harris uh, or when he was answering a question and then he looked up and I guess the prompter was flashing, your time's up, and he goes, oh, my time's up, you know. And yes, that that does not look presidential, if if we're still using that term. But my point in drawing a, a parallel to, to what the bigger question was here on 
you know, journalism versus entertainment is it was the entertainment that, that caught people's eye. And I don't necessarily think that's the right thing. And if you asked about what people's policies were, I don't know how much difference you would find amongst most of those candidates. But it's who got off the, the witty line or who looked foolish attempting to defend themselves from it. Uh, and, and that's, you know, I mean, you can go back to 1988 with Lloyd Benson and Dan Quayle debating, you know, I knew Jack Kennedy, you sir know Jack Kennedy. Uh, you know, it, it, the, these things become these signature moments, but I don't necessarily think that's the way that you should really judge a, a presidential candidate. But it speaks to, ah, I don't want to use it. It's so cliche, so I'm not going to. What I was going to use is short attention span theater, but it speaks to that, that people are, are, are not investing, and I don't know how long, I don't know, you know, I don't know if people were back in the day, but uh, digging into, you know, the Outside the Lines show that you made reference to that Bob Lee hosted, um, or 60 Minutes. Now, for me, personally, I love and only really am interested in when it comes to podcasts, like Stern, like, I mean, I, I don't know how many... Stern, I don't listen to any of the non-interviews anymore. I listen to the interviews and I couldn't, I can't get enough of them. I fall behind on them. I'll scroll through the podcasts I subscribe to. And if there is a guest being interviewed by a person I respect, obviously I'm subscribing to their podcast and they intrigue me, I will listen. Mark Marin, for example, had Letterman on here relatively recently and I couldn't wait to listen to that. Uh, Stern had Bill Maher on. I was curious because I knew they had a negative past and I was curious how they navigated that. Uh, those are the kinds of things that, but I mean, that's a, that's a commitment. Um, I love 60 Minutes. I love HBO's Real Sports. I love those kinds of things, but I also know that that's in the minority. I cannot stand, and I'm not like angry or hateful of it. I mean, I've been, I, hell, I've been on his show. I was on Stephen A. Smith's show on ESPN. It's been a while, but I was on it. It's just, because it's, it's not real. I don't believe that they really think these things. And I can't imagine most of you really think that they do either. But it's like, okay, Skip, you take this angle. Shannon, you take this angle. All right, we're ready to go. Next topic. All right, Skip, you take this angle. Shannon, you take this angle. All right, ready to go. Steven, you take this angle. Max, you take this angle. Ready to go. And when you're not talking, make sure to roll your eyes and make goofy faces when you're up in the, in the, in the, in the, in the two box. You know, I mean, that's, that's, that's what it is. And it's, it's inexpensive to produce relative to traveling and putting together, you know, a 10-minute a, a story, um, you know, that's produced and report. I mean, that costs a lot of money. Whereas, okay, Steven, you're up. Max, you're up. Molly, you're up. Let's go. I mean, that's, that's what it is. So I don't, you know, I don't... It's always one of those things when it's like what chicken or egg, you know, the... The media is giving the people what the people want. Sometimes the people say they don't want it, but it's what the people want. You know, it's like in 2016, so many people, now many of whom after the fact then kind of came out of the closet, so to speak, but so many people were saying, oh, 
look, how did we wind up with these two candidates regarding Hillary Clinton and Donald Trump? And then Donald Trump won, and I felt like there was like a massive coming out of people who were saying, how do we wind up with these two candidates to, oh, good, there's obviously millions of other people like me who love Donald Trump, and I'm now coming out as a big supporter of Donald Trump. But those same people a week earlier were saying, oh, my God, how do we wind up with Donald Trump and Hillary Clinton? I believe that happened. I, I do believe that happened. I don't necessarily think it's a cutting-edge opinion, but I'm just calling attention to it. Um so, but, but how, did, how did we get them? Well, they won their primaries. Now, if you want to go into the weeds on the Hillary Clinton versus Bernie Sanders thing, it might be a little different than what wound up happening on the Republican side. But fine, Barack Obama, Mitt Romney, Barack Obama, John McCain, George W. Bush, John Kerry, George W. Bush, Al Gore. They're the presidential races of the 2000s, and how did we get them? Well, they won their primaries. They won their party's nomination. That's how we got them. So, you know, it's not like some guy... Uh, just decided this is who it's going to be. There were votes. Now, if you don't think those votes have integrity, that's a different topic. But my premise is the people get what they want. You know, James Carlton of the Carlton State Farm Insurance Agency is my insurance agent. So this is a firsthand endorsement of James Carlton and his staff in Webster Groves. 314-961-4800 or go online at carltoninsurance.net. I think a lot of people just go, okay, well, I've got a guy, I've got a lady, I'm good. I don't really care to talk about insurance. It's something, you know, I'm 25, whatever, and that's fine. I understand. I used to think the same way, and then I go down to my basement on March 30th of 2019, and the basement's flooded, and the world changes. It just so happens, because my interactions with James have been so positive, that my wife and I switched to James Carlton uh, in late 2018. And I'm telling you, if we had not, the odyssey that has been a flooded basement throughout all of this precipitation in St. Louis would have been infinitely more difficult to navigate without somebody as active. And on top of it is James Carlton. His phone number is 314-961-4800, or you can go online at carltoninsurance.net. And even now he still checks in, you know, I mean, it's, it's just a different ball game. And even before we had that, which of course was a substantial issue, um, you know, we weren't covered on, on something or I had forgotten to make a payment. It wasn't like it was like some monster payment. It was a small payment. But he's like, hey, just so you know, uh, you haven't made this payment. We want to make sure that's taken care of so you're covered. It's just, it's, it's just different. It's different in a much better way. And that's why, you know, if, if you ran into me at a, at a bar or restaurant and said, hey, you know, and I have had it happen. Hey, Tim, who's that insurance agent? People email me and I go, oh, it's James Carlton. Here, let me include him on the on the email. And I know he's going to be on top, but I don't think twice about it. It's not like I'm like, oh, yeah, let me tell you about him. And then somebody actually wants to follow up. I'm like, oh, God, I hope he does OK. The best, the absolute best. And you're talking about your biggest investments. So you want to make sure they're taken care of properly. James Carlton and his staff at Carlton State Farm Insurance Agency will certainly do that. 314-961-4800 or go online at carltoninsurance.net. If your insurance costs a leg and an arm, call James Carlton State Farm. So regarding what we're seeing right now, I, I see here's the thing, and I guess maybe I'm going kind of TMA specific, but with regard to TMA, the difference is, I think, because I, I don't, I don't, it's not like I'm a big consumer of Barstool, which I guess would be the parallel here. With TMA, and we have a perfect you know, piece of evidence to use, with TMA, with regard to uh, the Blue Stanley Cup run, 
TMA during that time, for those two months, against Winnipeg, Dallas, San Jose, and Boston, it was a different show than what it is now. And by that I mean, okay, well, you know, as I'm recording this, the Cardinals are playing the Mariners tonight. I mean, when it gets down to it, there are not a lot of people that are really locked in on that. But this entire community was locked in on the Blues and the Dallas Stars Game 7. And then once that happened, this entire community was locked in on, oh my God, could the Blues actually get to the Stanley Cup Final? And then once they were there, it, was, it owned this, this region. So we give the people what they want. That's what the people want. And the hosts and the producers are engaged. And at that point, we're getting incredible guests and interviews. And I would have put that, I'll put that coverage up against anything in town, anything. And I, and, and, and speaking from a place of ignorance, because I don't listen to anything else. But I'm very comfortable with saying when you have Doug, the cat, myself, Iggy, Plowboy, Gangster Pete, and the guests we would get during that time, I doubt there was much more compelling. Now, if you if you like like the stats and you really like talking about Corsi ratings and shit like that, listen, I, there, there are places for it. But from my standpoint, that's not the stuff that wins. That's not the stuff that's going to reach the most people. But I also recognize what we do has a certain, you know, it's a younger audience. But I also know that I'm kind of, argue, as the cat would say, arguing with myself. I also know that it's not like the TMA audience is just like these 20 and 30-somethings. There are plenty of 40 and 50 and 60 and 70-somethings who listen to the show. It's just our audience, as far as events go and obviously social media trends younger. Um, but it's not to say that it's only a young show. My premise being this. When there is a serious topic, sports or otherwise, our show handles it, I think, incredibly well. There are times, uh, and I feel like I can flat out 100% blame myself. We had a segment, and it's the first time and I don't know how long, um, for real, years, where we were wrapping it up and I go, I really fucked this show up today. I fucked it up because the reality of the thing is, is back in the day when I was having a sleep problem and fortunately, man, I hope it doesn't come back. And I truly feel terribly for those of you who deal with it because it owns your life. And I was there and it's awful. But when this went on from 2003 through 2008, when there were days and they still pop up here and there, but back then it was like three out of five business days. Uh, When I wasn't on, the show would be, we would be at the mercy of Doug or the cat picking up the slack, but you know me being kind of the person who would direct the topics. If we didn't have that and I was off, the show was not the same. The show is not about one person. Uh, it's it's about the group. It's about the audience as well because the audience contributes content. But um, it, as far as the direction it goes. You know, I'm I'm driving the ship, and then I get the ball in the hands of whoever I think um, should have the ball, and then that person then runs with it, and then somebody else usually takes the ball, and then I'll, you know, redirect it. Uh, it's a very loose way to describe how it works. But, you know, you had the Mike Schilt comments, um, and they were interesting. And I, for whatever reason, I have no, and I'm talking about the Mike Schilt thing with, you know, kind of the, you know, I can't believe people are complaining, you know, which was an odd thing. I really believe it came from Tony LaRusso being in town for Albert Pujols and the Angels, and they talked, and Schilt took it and then used it at the wrong time when he was asked about Craig Berube speaking to the, the team since he was a Stanley Cup winning coach, and then he used that question to then jump into this thing that I think he had planned. So it came off wrong. It was the wrong time. It was just 
odd, but I think he was looking for something to maybe distract his the media and the fans from how crappy the team was playing and is playing, at least as of this moment. Uh, and so he did it. It was a textbook La Russa tactic, and I'm sure that's where it came from. I bet everything I have. My point is, we needed to talk about it, and we didn't talk about it. And, 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 and so when there are things to talk about, we need to talk about it, and historically we have. But on that one, I really fucked up, and I was disappointed in myself because I wanted to talk about it. You know, sometimes we're not going to talk about stuff because we don't give a shit. And so therefore, we'd just be like, you know, I don't, I don't even know what it is, like, like a, like a Cardinal game in April where nothing really is going on, or a Blues game in October, we're just not engaged. So we're not going to go, yeah, the Blues outshot them 20 to 12 here in the second period. What do you guys think of the third line's performance? That's just not the show. But I, I, on that one, that one was something that I know the audience was interested in. I know I was interested in. I'm certain the cat and Doug would have had opinions on it. You know, the plowhawk would have been all over it. And I just missed it. And I, I'm disappointed in that. My point in bringing that up is I know when I fuck up. And I fucked that up. I'm sure I'm fucked up plenty of other times. But that one stands out to me because it's recent. But otherwise, when there is something going on, we talk about it. And the, and the whole thing is make sure at the very least one of us is interested in it. There are times where Doug and the cat are in on something, and I'm just like, I don't give a shit. I'll play around on Instagram. Uh, I'm certain there are plenty of times where I get in on something, uh, perhaps sexual, where Doug and the cat might be interested, but they, you know, they can't get into it or would feel uncomfortable getting into it, or they're just not interested, whatever. And so they tap out. Um, so that's 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 the, the the play. Make sure that at least one person is engaged. Ideally, everybody is, but at least one. And on that one, there would have been. But when we have a sports topic or political topic or a local topic and everybody's firing, that's what we're going to talk about. And I think it works because it does work like a podcast and that essentially there are three segments and it's not chopped up into like four 12-minute segments and people are like, oh man, I'm really getting into this. And it's like, okay, we got to take a break. Coming up, we'll get into this. And then it's like a totally new topic because we got to play to the, the, the meters. So anyway, that's a long-winded way of saying, I see what's going on. I think, I think TMA and Barstool certainly have some similarities. My influence, it, it certainly is Howard Stern, but it's also Joe Buck. It's Bob Costas. I'm sure both of them would cringe to hear that. Um, you know, long David Letterman, long-form interviews, self-deprecation, but not self-deprecation for the sake of it, but honestly, because it's like, yeah, I mean, let's, let's talk about it. I mean, if we're going to be honest, you know, let's talk about our flaws, um, so, and, and fuck around about them. So, you know, that's what, that's what goes, and we give each other shit. Um, and that's what goes on on that, you know, that show, uh, inside the NBA with, uh, Barkley and Shaq and Ernie Johnson, and Kenny the Jet. So, um, I don't know. I think people have just kind of found like, yeah, that's what I like more. And people being serious about something that really is a leisure activity is kind of a turnoff. Certainly there are people who are into that, but that's, you know, that's not us, you know. But, I mean, for real, there are sometimes there are games like the Blues and the Stanley Cup Final. I mean, I, I was exposed emotionally, and I would have been a, a mess had they lost. Um, but, I, but I can't be a mess over a game at this point in my life that they lose in, like, December to the wild. It's just not where I am. And I think more people are in that category, and that's why... I guess our thing is more broadcasting. A lot of people listen to our show who are not hardcore sports fans. I'll look at that text inbox and I'll be like, all right, that's enough. Get away from the sports. This is boring. Um, but then there's sometimes people are like, how come you haven't talked about this? You know, so 
it's just it's a case of to each their own. All right, I've, I've gone an hour, and I didn't even go into the emails outside of recaps, and his was a great one. I answered the fan page one. I apologize. I hope you enjoyed it. I hope the audio sounds good. Um, I always enjoy questions from the audience. We have plenty more stored up. Maybe we'll do a double edition here coming up. If you haven't listened to the Craig Berube interview, do so. I think you will love it. That He's our guest this week. We have Doug Armstrong coming up. We have Bobby Plager coming up. We have John Kelly coming up. We have Young Page who's coming up. We have so much coming up. Love this podcast. Thank you to the sponsors for making it possible. Ryan Kelly, thehomeloanexpert.com. Of course, uh, James Carlton, the Carlton State Farm Insurance Agency. Mark Hanna, Evergreen Wealth Strategies. Johnny Landoff, Chevrolet. And uh, Design Air Heating and Cooling Online at designairservice.com, the number one train dealer in the Midwest. For our producers, Gangster Pete Nagy, I'm Tim McKernan. Thanks for listening to another edition of the Tim McKernan Show on the Inside STL Podcast Network from the HomeLoanExpert.com studios.